Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. We are a little worried. Emily's supposed to be here. We know she was on vacation recently. We were excited to hear about figure skating and everything that she got to see in Canada. And she's not here. So uh, apparently we're back to maybe a true crime podcast. Brad hasn't heard from her. I haven't heard from her. We're not sure. We haven't heard from her in, in two weeks, probably. And so we don't know where Emily is. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. We'll keep you updated. We've we've got a text out to her, a call out to her. Maybe she'll show up while we're in the middle of recording. That would be the best option. We're gonna move ahead. We've got to get something uh, on tape here. And we uh, recently kind of completed most of a case study on a beef farm, looking at BVD. And now we decided, you know, let's do one on the dairy side, just to kind of walk through some of the same things and starting with a visit. And, and get this all in a series for you on what's going on. Brad, you, you never have problems that need to be looked into at, at your place, right? No, never, never. That's it's yes, we're we're doing everything A-OK, <laughs> actually, which is not true. We work hard at trying to keep things clean and we always seem to have a few uh, problems. The weather lately has not been the best. But yeah, yesterday it was 80 degrees here and today it's rainy and 40. So that's just asking for disasters to happen for new calves going outside, you name it. So we got one calf that's really, I don't know what's going on. It's two weeks old and it just doesn't have a sucking reflex. It just doesn't want to drink. So we've been tubing it every day to keep uh, nutrition in it and it's fine, but it just doesn't want to suck off a, a nipple. So we're we're going to try and put it on a bucket or something. We're, we're trying, we're spending a lot of time and effort with one little small Jersey calf. Of course it's a Jersey calf. That makes a lot exactly. more sense. Exactly. I was trying to picture a Holstein in my mind and it wasn't making sense. So nope, yeah. no, it wasn't, it's not a Holstein. It's gaining weight. It is gaining weight, but uh, yeah, unfortunately some of my diagnosis is involved just that it's a Jersey. <laughs> anyways, that's, that's our problem of the week. Problem of the week, the Jersey calf that just won't drink. All right, well, uh, let's get into this. This is a, uh, a heifer grower operation that that asked for some help not too long ago. Just to kind of give you some background on what's going on, this heifer operation, heifer growing operation gets in calves that are between two and five days old when they, when they get them. Uh, they get them from several different dairies. So we've got multiple different dairies coming into this, this grower system. And reportedly what's been happening is that somewhere between five and nine weeks old, these calves are becoming ill and dying. That's about as much information as I got when we first visited this farm. And so we're going to walk through what's going on and next steps and where to go from here. This is a little bit of a different, a different one, because when I hear calves dying from what they're calling scours, I, I immediately think that we're talking in the first month. And is that that's similar probably to what you see, Brad? If you have a scours issue, it's probably pretty early, that first three weeks, especially. Yeah. Yeah. First three weeks is when it really ravages here, definitely. So immediately, calves dying at five to nine weeks old, that puts me in a different mindset for maybe what we're looking for. That's where we start. You know, we go in and we're saying, okay, the ages, we confirm everything that we've heard. That's that's the big thing. 
Um, and I like to start even before we get straight to the problem in getting just a rundown on everything on the farm, because that allows me to see the bigger picture, everything connected together. It also allows me to uh, take care of knowing enough that when I do make a recommendation, I'm not putting my foot in my mouth when it comes to logistics, labor, you know, other things going on on the farm. So that's where we start. You know, we ask questions, we figure out where where we're going um, and what the rest of the farm looks like. It gives us a lot of information into, you know, are we looking for a treatment or are we looking to change management practices to solve uh, a problem and be more on the preventative medicine side rather than going in and trying to fix things with either a vaccine or some kind of antibiotic or other treatment. First thing I start with with calves is nutrition. You know, what what are they eating? You know, on a heifer grower situation, it's a little difficult because we can't truly control the most important thing, which is colostrum. That's frustrating. I don't know if you guys have ever done some custom raising bread or, or anything, but it's super frustrating when you can't control that front end. Yeah, colostrum is probably the number one key, and it's hard to control on on anybody's farm, let alone you know. And we're we're monitoring serum total proteins on our calves, and sometimes it's like, oh man, what in the world? It's we've gone through a stretch of four or five calves where we don't uh, have good passive transfer, and it's like, oh well, now what do we do, and how do we go figure it out? And that that's a tough one, whether it's a heifer grower or or your own dairy, uh, it's 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 a challenge. On a heifer grower, I think you got a little advantage over, let's say, uh, a dairy beef farm buying wet calves because most of the time, I mean, guys are going to take really, really good care of their heifers and, and make right. sure because they know they're coming back and they need them in the future. So they put some extra effort into it. Now that bull calf that hits the ground, sometimes that can be a different story. And there's uh, either cutting corners or some compromises that are made. And some of those are okay. For sure, um, we have to make some decisions like that and prioritize certain things. And if if I was a dairyman, I'd prioritize my heifers too. But in this situation, it's heifer calves, and we can't really control colostrum. Now they they're getting the calves young, so that's really cool. So if we were worried about colostrum, can clearly tell which calves came from which farm. We can take blood and check serum total proteins to make sure that that's something that's going well uh, at the home farm. And that can be a value-added service as a heifer grower if you want to look at it that way to say, hey, I'm going to do that because it benefits me uh, and I look better when you send me really healthy calves and I'm going to monitor it for you so that it it really helps you as well. So if you're getting calves that young, you can check that. And we like to see them at least 24 hours old and within seven days old. So if you're getting on them two to five days old and you grab blood right away, you can really use that to check the colostrum program at each each dairy that you're getting calves from. So I started asking about nutrition and what happens when they get there. Nutrition side, looking at these calves getting fed uh, a little over two quarts of 2020 milk replacer twice a day. Calves had starter available uh, right away when they got there. They also had water available after milk. Uh, they feed in a bottle and then try to transition to pails or buckets as quickly as possible. The calves are weaned at six weeks of age. And to do that, they cut the volume in half the week leading up to weaning. And then they do weigh starter and the calves are required to eat two pounds of starter for three days in a row before they're completely weaned. So there's some good and bad when we talk nutrition. I hone in on what are we feeding and how much. We've talked before, Brad, you've done some studies, you've allowed calves to eat whatever they want. 
<laughs> and as much as they want. And we've looked at all sorts of things, but that that's what stands out to me right away. Two quarts of 2020 twice per day. Well, what are your thoughts on that number? Well, it is not nothing wrong with a 2020 milk replacer. That's pretty standard. You know, there's a lot of dairies that still feed at 2020. It's kind of the standard in the industry now, but I just think that farms probably should be feeding a little bit more those, you know, the two quart bottles, in my opinion, are one of the worst things ever right now. I just think that uh, animals need more nutrition than than two quarts at one time. And and a lot of that is based on research that we've done here. I, when we started, that's what we were feeding. And as you increase it more and more, and then you see ad lib, you're like, wow, those are good calves. I, I don't think ad lib is the way to go either. That That's a lot of money and a lot of milk, but you know, eight quarts, eight to 10 quarts a day is um, probably where we probably need to settle in at for, for, you know, regular, say Holstein size calves, which I think this uh, heifer grower is pretty much Holstein calves. Yeah. And I, I should have mentioned that this, this is all Holsteins that we're talking about, which makes it easier for the grower. You know, if you throw, you know, a dairy sending New Jersey's in with Holsteins then it can, it can really create some issues so it's easier to have all the same breed or at least the same stature yeah they so, just do better i was weighing calves today and we got a calf that's a month old and it weighs 210 pounds already <laughs> that's a month old you know we're, we're feeding would be 10 quarts uh, a day so these big calves are getting a lot of nutrition and they're growing well you know it's nice to see good growing calves and i just think that the health of the calves once you feed more milk is better. We just probably have less incidence of scours, respiratory problems when we've been feeding more milk. And, you know, 2020 milk replacer for me, I think is something that you can, you can use that in the summer and for several different months when it gets cold, I don't think 2020 is adequate. And, and volume is a huge piece of this. We definitely need more milk. And I would argue at least a 2420 milk replacer. That's what I would prefer especially in heifer calves, because we're talking about lifetime performance being affected by growth in this mm -hmm. stage of life. And we have studies that show that. So for me, if it was bull calves, we have more of an argument, right? Because in the gold, gold standard ideal world, I would feed, uh, I would feed not a 2020 milk replacer, but with bull calves, we have more economics to, to think about and different economics to think about. With the heifer calves, I really want to see a 2420, a 2620 would be great. Whole milk would be the best, but availability on that when you're a heifer grower is a huge challenge. And I agree, Brad, those those two quart bottles, I wish they just didn't exist, to be honest. That would be so much better if they just didn't exist at all. If we had at least a three quart, preferably a four quart bottle, that's what I would want. I do like that people switch to pails quickly yeah. if if they can, because that that gives us some more. Uh, flexibility on how much volume we feed. So uh, that's the nutrition stuff. We pointed out a couple of things that we saw. Of course, we talk about vaccines, you know, vaccines and health. I, I like to see that because as we talked about before, to be honest, sometimes I think people are doing too much. Um, and so it depends on what they've got in already and when they're doing it is a huge piece of that because adding and stacking stress on other things is a bad idea. On this, there wasn't a ton happening, which is good. On arrival, so whenever the calves get there, they were getting an autogenous Salmonella Dublin vaccine uh, in Force 3. And then the calves were getting weighed, which is a great idea, and then having some blood drawn. 
And then we're getting after those calves again at two weeks, um, but that's with an intranasal vaccine, once PMH. Three weeks, we're back to then giving another uh, autogenous salmonella Dublin vaccine, and that was given sub-Q, just like the first one. Dehorning at four to five weeks, and then at five weeks, they were starting to feed half milk. Six weeks, they're weaned, and then they remain in the barn until they're seven to eight weeks old, and then they move out to group pens. And the group pens, when they move out, are small, you know, six to eight calves at a time, which is, is a good thing, real good thing. In this vaccine protocol, there's not a ton that stands out to me right away. The autogenous salmonella Dublin vaccine, you know, Dublin is a bad bug. It's a real bad bug. It 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 gets after calves, and once it's around, it's usually it's usually just around. There there's not really a way to eradicate it, especially if you've got uh, it seeded in your barn or it, it, you're just kind of stuck dealing with it, unfortunately. Now we can talk about timing and placement of the vaccines and all that, but that's that's pretty boring. So we'll get to that maybe later after we covered all the fun stuff. When we talk about calves too, and then we know there's a scours problem, which we were told about this this farm. The other thing I want to know is how is calf flow? How are, how is that set up? How are the barns managed, especially pre weaning? How do you empty them or do you empty them in between calves? And is there any disinfecting and cleaning going on? And this farm, in my opinion, is doing a great job. You know, they were treating the way they had their barn set up. They had kind of four different areas or four different barns that were all attached to one milk room. And they were managing it all in, all out. They didn't put any calves into one of the four sections until it was empty and they had a chance to clean the whole barn and then put calves back in, which is great. That's it. That's awesome. All in, all out. That's something we stole from the pig guys and the poultry guys because they figured that out way before us on the biosecurity side of things. And it works great. The other place we see this a lot is on auto feeder barns. And I think that's kind of how you manage yours, right, Brad? It's all in, all out. All in, all out. Even when we're in groups outside, it's all in, all out. We don't switch. It just helps keep the uh, disease from spreading, definitely. Yeah, and and cleaning and sanitizing, that's a whole nother topic and maybe something we should cover at some yeah. point. Yeah, we could, that's a whole new podcast about cleaning and sanitizing. That's, that's our big thing out here is, man, we just got to keep everything clean and using bleach or chlorine some something that uh, kills a lot of that stuff or it tries to anyways some disinfectants yeah and the problem is that and I, and when we talked about scours on this podcast before uh, bugs are hardy they you know when you pressure wash when you use bleach all you're really doing is pushing them around they stay alive so the big thing is is cleaning getting rid of most of the material and starting over with a clean slate making sure you have all that organic debris gone before you try to sanitize with chlorine dioxide or something like that. That way we know that disinfectant is going to work because it's not having to fight through organic material to do so. We're going to stop there on cleaning. This farm was doing an excellent job, so I'm not too worried about that. We've identified a few things right away that we, we think, okay, just by looking at all the management of this farm, we've identified a few things that I personally would change. I think Brad's on board with changing them as well. And we've done all that and found those things without actually looking at the period of time where those calves are dying and really digging into that yet. So we need to do that. Of course, you got calves dying. 
I want necropsies. I want to see the inside of those calves. I want them going to the diagnostic lab so we can get more information because I want to know what bug we're dealing with. Now, on this farm, we kind of have maybe an idea, right? Because of the fact they're vaccinating for Salmonella Dublin. I would hope they're doing that because they've had a problem in the past, not just doing it out of nowhere. And so that is the case with this farm. We we have a history of Salmonella Dublin being a problem, um, and that's why they're vaccinating for it. How do you feel about that weaning age, Brad? Is is six? You know, I think you've you've kind of experimented with a a lot of different ages. What what do you think? It's interesting. I think probably about eight weeks is is maybe optimum. Seven, at least seven weeks. Eight weeks is optimum. You know, a lot of farms now are pushing that to nine or ten weeks. I was on a a, a big dairy in California a couple of weeks ago, feeding ten thousand calves on milk, and they're weaning at ten weeks. So, you know, I think people are pushing the weaning age back up again, you know, as, whereas one point we were trying to wean even less and less. Like when I was an undergrad at, at the University of Minnesota and worked at the St. Paul Dairy, they were weaning calves at 28 days. And that, that was the routine a long time ago was 28 day weaning. But I think those days are gone and we're, we're pushing the weaning age back up, you know, here where we're at, we're at nine weeks now. And I think that's nine weeks is nine to 10 weeks is probably optimum for, for our situation. So six is, I'd have to think hard to think about farms that are weaning at six, six weeks yet. It's, it's not common anymore. Weaning age is a tough one. That's yeah, a tough it, one. it is a tough one. And, and this is where economics come into it as well, right? If you're raising your own calves, it's, it's much easier to see the return, right? Because you're going to feed more up front and you know the cost of that, but you're also seeing the direct benefit later in life. When you're raising someone else's animals, you have a whole different economic game that you're trying to work out. So there's more compromise in that situation in my mind, because I agree with you, Brad. If I had my, my absolute... 100% option, it'd be, you know, somewhere in that eight to nine weeks. I think that's a good balance. And and, and some of it has to do with logistics too. It, you know, ideally we, we do want the calves to stay in that pen for a week after weaning to, before we group them up to make sure that stress isn't stacked on the stress of joining a group and having a new environment, all those kind of things. Yeah. Logistics can play a big piece of this. If those guys have to leave because more are coming in, you got a different argument there. So I, I agree. Seven weeks is the bare minimum in my mind. Um, and I prefer it is more. The reason being is that we need that rumen to be ready. That, that rumen needs to be ready when you take the milk away because now it's responsible for providing all the nutrients to this calf. And if it's not ready, you'll know because you see those calves go backwards, which I'm sure you've seen, Brad. Crashes after weaning can be bad. They are. Yeah. Weaning crashes are tough. It takes a while to recover after those, you know, months sometimes. It's a tricky one because milk replacer is expensive. And milk replacer is expensive. Grain is expensive. I understand why, you know, it's purely economics a lot. Uh, why, why you want to wean early. And yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Now, I think the one thing that, that this, this farm is doing really, really well is that they are weighing the grain. And they were adjusting weaning ages a little bit if someone wasn't, if a calf wasn't getting to that two pounds a day. So they were allowing that calf to stay on milk a little longer 
if they weren't eating enough green. So I think that's that's a really good good way to handle that as well. But when we see that calves are becoming ill and dying in that five to nine week old period, it's pretty hard to take the weaning piece out of it. When we see, okay, we're cutting milk in half at five weeks, and that's the start of when we're seeing calves get ill. So that's stress. And then, you know, we're weaning at six, and then the two to three weeks after is when calves are dying as well. So so this to me is all centered around the stress of weaning is causing a break. And there's all sorts of different explanations for that. Stress is is a piece of it. But I think one of the things we identified earlier is really what I would consider the cause of salmonella doubling on this farm is not feeding enough milk. Not feeding enough milk and not having calves that have enough fat that can deal with the stress and seeing a bug if they do get ill. You know, that when Bradley mentioned earlier, if you feed them more, they just seem to be healthier. You have less scours. That's real. That's 100% real. When one thing that I think about here is you said they want to feed them two pounds of starter per day at weaning. And I think that's maybe not enough either. Our calves here, it's five pounds. They have to be eating five pounds of starter. Uh, which which they are at, at nine weeks of age, they're eating five pounds of starter so they can get weaned. So two pounds is maybe not a, not enough groceries for these calves to keep going, to keep growing. So if if you're feeding grain, I think, you know, grain's expensive. I get it. But I think we need to feed more grain than two pounds uh, at weaning. I think it should be at least five, at least five. We've been five year for 10 years. I, I agree. We need consistent intake for at least five weeks of grain for that rumen to be ready to go. And we're not going to get into the the whole hay versus grain debate right now. But but I know that if, if you're going to wean at, at an early age, you need at least five weeks of grain intake for your rumen to be even close to ready. That's minimum. So if you need five weeks of consistent intake, that to me is what sets your weaning age because that first week they're probably not eating super consistently and they don't even know what it is they're still discovering what the bucket is and what that means and what's in there so i discount the first week so if we discount the first week and then we need five weeks our bare bare minimum is already seven so for me that that's where the absolute bare minimum comes in for seven weeks and then i prefer more so we know that rumen is ready eating more grain and it tells me that they're probably ready to to take the calories from milk away and allow that rumen to get going and, and support that calf all by itself. So feeding calves more milk, we've identified that. Personally, think they should be fed at least a 26-20 milk replacer, but 24-20 would be acceptable depending on what's available cost. Because again, we're balancing cost with this farm and this heifer grower. Um, and then, like we talked about, increasing the weaning age to seven weeks. And I, that's a, a initially what I identify and I see and, and would be a recommendation of mine at, at least seven weeks, preferably eight. And then, you know, we'll get into vaccine protocols and things like that as I, I sift through it a little more. And I, I think about timing and all of that because that takes some time to figure out. It also takes a lot of discussion with the farm to make sure that it works for their labor and logistics and we're not adding too much labor in different spots and depending on what they have going on. That's where we need to start with this farm, in my opinion. And that's where we're going to go back to them with these recommendations and see where we can go from there. We've also got calves 
um, at the diagnostic lab, and I will get some results from that to see if we're we're on the right page and we think that it's that Salmonella Dublin back again. Those calves have kind of a unique appearance, and at this age, um, I think it fits. Um, scouring calves, Salmonella Dublin, they don't usually breathe too hard unless they're breathing hard from acidosis associated with the scours and they don't they don't cough it's really strange in in my experience salmonella dublin calves stand there they look miserable they they often have a little increased respiratory effort but they don't cough even though their lungs are probably affected it, it's a it's a strange disease um a bad one to find but uh, most of it is not solved with a needle most of it's solved with management changes so any other thoughts bradley no, I think the big one is is nutrition is of the utmost importance as well. Yep, we all get diseases on our farms, but I think just getting enough milk uh, in those calves, enough grain, and keep things clean, and you probably have not very many problems, I hope. Yeah, we'll come back and let you guys know how the discussions go on our recommendations for what we saw and what's actually going to happen. Uh, which may be different from the ideal recommendations that we're bringing to the table because there's a lot of compromise, like I said, on the economic side because there's different drivers of that on this farm. Space is probably going to be a huge piece of that as well because everyone's short space. Brad's short space. It, 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 you're always short. You always have a few too many animals for what you, you have in the barn and space in the pasture, everything. So, yeah, we'll keep you updated. We'll also keep you updated on Emily. No word yet. I haven't heard anything from her. Oh, it's radio <laughs> silence. So uh, we'll keep calling. We'll keep texting. And uh, we'll let you know what's going on. With that, we'll wrap it there. If you have comments, questions, scathing rebuttals to this episode, please email themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Catch us on Twitter at umnmoosroom and at safety. Catch Bradley on Instagram at UMNWCROCDairy. Visit our extension website, extension.umn.edu. I can't think of anything else that we need to plug. There's probably more and I'm forgetting something, but that's where we're going to wrap it. Thank you for listening. Catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.